Hello and welcome to the World Resources Institute's Big Ideas Into Action podcast. This week, the story is climate justice. Ambition from those who are polluting the most is paramount. We cannot continue with business as usual. But how do we combine climate justice with climate action? And where do we start? One key way to make sure that climate action is just and is focused on the most vulnerable is to ensure that those people at the local level have decision-making power. Hello and welcome to our final Deeper Dive podcast into WRI Stories to Watch for 2022. I'm Nicholas Walton. Every year, the World Resources Institute explains the stories that we think are critical for tracking the environment in the coming year. So far, as well as an overall look at our stories to watch, we've got podcasts on coal, electric mobility and the link between the environment and pandemics. In this one, we turn to the issue of climate justice. Here's what WRI's president, Ani Dasgupta, had to say about it. The interesting thing about the climate justice story is the fact it is asking us to reframe the conversation away from counting carbon and carbon transition to questions of who would get impacted, who did get impacted, and would we use this opportunity to not only reduce carbon, actually address injustices and and make sure when we do the transition that we are not making it worse off. So how does the climate justice issue fit in as a WRI story to watch? And how does it fit in with the rest of the work we're doing? Nate Shelter was the researcher for the climate justice story. One of the things that I came across in my research was that there has been a lot of momentum on this issue of climate justice, but a lot of our work ties back to this. And, you know, through some of the initiatives that we're working on, like the work that we're doing at our equity center, the adaptation work we're doing, a lot of it ties back to this issue of climate justice, of redressing some of these, you know, systemic issues. Nate says awareness about climate justice is increasing, and it's becoming clearer which areas need to be looked at to address it. This issue of climate justice has been around for a while. Lots of groups have been working on this for for years, for decades, you know, especially in the global south. While it's been around for a while, it's become much more prominent in the past kind of year. It's more people are paying attention to it. The media has picked up on this and, you know, shining a bigger light on this issue of, okay, how do we approach climate action in a way that is just, in a way that doesn't repeat the mistakes in the past that got us to where we are today? At the same time, we've seen some momentum on various issues of climate justice. You know, a few areas that WI is paying close attention to is on the adaptation front and on restoration. One of the uh, big issues that we're trying to, you know, push and call for is this uh, idea of locally led action. One key way to make sure that climate action is just and is focused on the most vulnerable people and people who have been marginalized by, by various policies is to ensure that those people at the local level have decision-making power over actions that affect them, over decisions that affect them. So that's why we really focused, zoomed in on the story on this issue of locally-led action, because if we want to ensure a just transition and want to ensure that we're focusing on the effects on marginalized people, I think the key way to do that is to ensure that they have a say, that they're involved in decisions, that they have the finance to act. That was Nate Shelter. Now over to Wanjira Matai, the director of WRI Africa. How does she see the balance between urgent climate action and the need to make sure we address climate justice? Well, I think we cannot 
move with speed if anyone is left behind. So I think that it is a, it's a false dichotomy. I think the justice in climate justice requires that we move with especially the most vulnerable taken care of, because that is where the impact is. And that is where the, the worst impacts of climate change will be so devastating. So I like to think of it as, as an imperative that we move with speed, yes, but no one is left behind. And with you sitting in Kenya as you speak now, Wanjira, how does that affect the urgency of the climate justice issue for you? This is not an issue of a few years from now. We also know from the latest uh, report that the science are telling us things are worse than we even thought. So this is always extremely difficult to swallow because what that really means for those of us in climate vulnerable spaces is that we actually have to do much more to cushion ourselves against the worst impacts. And yet the reality and the injustice of all of it is that we've done so little, if anything, to cause the problem in the first place. And so that's, that makes where we are crucial. It makes the urgency deeper and it makes the action and the, the solidarity with the rest of the world that much more important. How do we go about making sure that climate justice is part of the climate action equation? What are the priorities? Well, the, the, the one thing that I really like to remember is that we should always think of the injustice for us to know what really needs to be done. The injustice is that ambition from those who are polluting the most is paramount. We cannot continue with business as usual. We cannot continue with a G20 continuing to pollute and continuing to pump out 80% of global emissions. That acknowledgement and the acknowledgement of their responsibility to temper down, cut down, decarbonize at greater rates is important. The other injustice that we need to remember is that the countries that cause the least problem are suffering the most. And therefore there is a responsibility from the big polluters to make good of the cushioning, the adaptation, the finance that's required to cushion. We know as well that the longer we wait, the more expensive it will become. It is an extremely important part of the agenda. The other piece that is perhaps more important than anything else I have said is that poverty remains the overwhelming driver of vulnerability. If we do not address poverty, climate change will be that much worse because even with countries like the Netherlands and others that are actually more exposed to sea level rise, they're not as vulnerable because they have economic power. We have to empower our communities economically, create opportunities for jobs, for growth, because underlying that growth will be a deep sense of security and of course, reduced vulnerability. We cannot adapt at the levels of poverty that we have today, it is almost impossible. Those communities will be doomed to an absolutely unbearable life. And that would just not be fair. That's the injustice. We have to push to make sure that we transform communities. What that really means is that energy is an important part of this equation. Protecting landscapes is an important part of this equation. Increasing food supply is an important part of this equation. But all of that will require significant amounts of energy. The way you frame it there, Wanjir, it just underlines that climate action needs to be seen hand in hand with opportunities for addressing issues such as economic development, as well as just simply dealing with climate change as an issue in itself. 
Exactly, exactly right. It is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, however, that we seem to be squandering mm-hmm. because the, the slower we move, the more devastating the impacts will be and the more work we will have in the days and months ahead. So we have to move much faster. We cannot continue to drag our feet. What we also know is that the losses and damages that are, are, are already being felt by the most vulnerable have got to be addressed and financed and cushioned because those are are devastating. One of the things I like to remember that a country like Bangladesh that has done so well in early warning systems, today when there's a storm in Bangladesh, you don't have the sort of senseless loss of lives we used to see. However, once the storms have come down, people's lives have been saved. When they come back into their communities, their livelihoods are gone. So it's not only about lives, it's also about livelihoods. And securing livelihoods is also as important. So we need to continue to invest and continue to push for vehicles and finance for loss and damage and adaptation. And that was Wanjira Matai. For more, you can dig out Annie Dasgupta's presentation on our website at wri.org slash stories dash two dash watch. And the podcast with him, plus those on coal, electric mobility, pandemics and much, much more are at wri.org slash podcasts. Of course, you can find and listen to all of our podcast library on all sorts of issues connected to our work by searching for WRI Big Ideas Into Action podcasts on your favourite podcast app. I'm Nicholas Walton and until next time, goodbye for now.